Winning a war requires attacking and defending on multiple fronts. You have ground infantry, air forces, navy by sea, and even space force in the next couple of decades. All of these need to be a focus, and these fronts depend on what your opponent does, obviously, but in modern warfare, if you don't have your bases covered, you're never going to win. B2B SaaS definitely isn't war, but a multi-pronged attack and defense is definitely required in marketing within a competitive market. You can have the coolest events in all of SaaSlandia, but if you can't log and track your leads or set up a proper email campaign, you're never going to end up driving scale that is required to grow massive. No one exemplifies this multi-pronged approach more than Stacey Epstein, CMO of Freshworks. I sat down with her recently and she wasn't shy about sharing marketing beats on growing at scale through a multi-pronged attack. All that and more coming up next. From ProfitWell Recur, it's Protect the Hustle, where we explore the truth behind the strategy and tactics of B2B SaaS growth to make you an outstanding operator. On today's episode, Stacey Epstein dives deep on multi-pronged marketing. We talk about integrating sales, marketing, and customer success, being easy, fast, and affordable, the five major prongs of segment marketing, instilling empathy in your marketing, and the questions to ask to uncover needs. Great. So let's start off really generic. Who are you and what do you guys do? I'm Stacey Epstein. I'm the CMO of Freshworks. We are a builder of software. Our mission is to help companies delight their customers and employees. And we do that through uh, several different application sets. We do customer experience and sales and marketing. So we have a full CRM. We also sell a product called Fresh Service, which is in the IT service management, employee service management space, starting to sort of dip our toes into some HR management as well. Uh, and I think our value proposition is that we make it really fast and easy for companies to go live. So not a ton of IT resources needed, not a lot of money needed, not a lot of time needed. and. Yeah, and what I always really liked about Freshworks is it's the multi-product strategy too. And and what I'm kind of curious about is, you know, you started with one, then you got two, three, four, and I think there's a lot now, and yeah. probably not all of them are like always the the banner ones you're going after. But like as a customer, do they all kind of talk to each other? Like, is is it all kind of work out? Are they all kind of siloed? Are some siloed? Like, how does that work from a, a customer perspective? So all are built on our platform Neo and so they can easily integrate. Certainly sales, marketing and success are integrated in a in the CRM, which of course you would want. Um, sales and marketing share that very deep customer um, record and you can really get a great integrated view of your data from marketing to sales to success, which is, you know, that customer 360, everybody talks about it, but having it actually really truly integrated versus sort of kludged together and presented as a common view is really valuable for companies. You know, IT service management, you're servicing a different customer, you're servicing your internal employees versus your customers. So the the need to integrate, I mean, it's not the same record, right? It's an employee record versus a customer record. But I think the value of leveraging the same platform is that your internal teams know how to use it, you know how to administer it, you know how to get it live. And so the IT team has a lot less burden in managing the application. And then that CDP or that integrated customer record will do the same thing with employees. So it won't just be ITSM, it'll also be your HR solution as well. So you'll have that one really integrated customer record. You'll have an equally powerful integrated employee record. And that's really our vision and I think how 
we'll continue to differentiate ourselves. Well, what I like a lot about it is, I mean, CRM kind of went from like a sales focus to this whole like CDP expansion, right? And you might hate this metaphor, but it helps me. It's like, it's like finding your favorite like furniture maker or your favorite kitchen utensils or something like that. You just kind of like go to them to find the next thing because everything kind of works together. The, you know, bureau works really well with the, you know, bedside table and like all that kind of fun stuff. And you can really tell the difference when something's like built with unification in mind from the beginning rather than like, let's like build these silos and put them together or let's like buy a couple silos and try to like force them together. And then you end up kind of just refactoring everything. And so it's, it's pretty cool in my mind. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, really the difference for us though, as a CRM provider compared to some of the other vendors out there is our just continued focus on that mission of, of easy and fast and affordable. And, you know, we got our success in the early days with small businesses and then over time moved upstream to mid-market and now into the enterprise not everybody has hundreds of thousands maybe millions of dollars and 12 to 18 months to integrate all these different systems just to have an integrated view so not knocking some of those solutions and there are definitely companies that need that deep customization and lots of different features that the truth is a lot of times that just ends up as shelfware. Anyway, it's not what the user wants. The user just wants to solve the problem and an integrated view and a very intuitive user experience is more important than the 59 features per page of a big RFP. And that's I think where we've differentiated ourselves is we don't ever claim to be the like end all be all every single kind of system and every bell and whistle, but we will promise modern, intuitive, fast, and a focus on that. And that focus I think is unique in the CRM space. I think it's like, it's this this old way of new wave of building too where you know, if you think of, uh, you know, the, the the big giant in the CRM market, they who shall not yes. be named, um, <laughs> it's made for the VP. It's, you know, made for IT folks to basically create anything you need. So it has max flexibility. But at the end of the day, for 80 to 90 percent of us, that's not great. Right. It's not a great experience. And there's a fun story. Again, I'm not going to name them, but a, a large three letter company um, that, you know, they sell 4000 seats and do all this customization and then like 200 seats are the only ones that are used and then they keep the contract because they don't want to get rid of those 200 seats but those days just are numbered when things are so easy to switch now and so I really admire because Freshworks was you know you had some old school folks you know similar Chennai based company that did some similar things you guys hit the wave right at the right time and what I'm really curious about from your perspective is this is great for engineering. It seems like hell for marketing. Just so many different brands and so many different products. Do you go first with the sales? Like it, in some ways, it's actually kind of brilliant, right? Because you can, oh, we didn't work out in sales. Let's now go for the marketing side and then we can go back. But then for you, it's like, how do you have one message that isn't too genericized? How do you make sure that like you're talking to, you know, potentially six to 12 different sales teams? Like, how do you, how do you manage all that? Because there's very few marketers who are doing that now. But we're all going to have to do it in the next 10 years, I feel. It's not the easiest, you know, one product, just create a tagline, communicate the value prop. It's definitely a lot more complex than that. I do think, again, repeating our mission 
And you may have seen our tagline, make delight easy. Part of arriving at that tagline was wanting to be all inclusive of our brand Freshworks, which is what is it that we really do across every product that makes us unique. A lot of companies promise to deliver delight to their buyer, right? And so that's not that unique. But to do it in an easy, fast way that's focused on the user, that's what we do different than everybody else. And it's not necessarily, oh, we're CRM for SMB, which I think we people want to categorize us as SMB. But Your competitors like to do that. Well, so yeah, yeah, there's yeah. plenty of enterprises that want fast and easy. So I think it's coming up with that overarching value proposition, which is where our tagline comes from, Delight Made Easy. We definitely, though, have unique positioning for each product. The buyer of Freshdesk is wants to know that there's AI, that there's chatbots, that they want to understand how we do case management. They have specific require requirements that need to be satisfied and we have to be sure to communicate that value. Same with sales, same with marketing. There is an overall value proposition for our CRM suite that again is focused on that integrated view. So it's almost like a hierarchy of positioning, right? It's the highest level is make delight easy. Then you get into smart selling, you get into effortless customer service. I think on the ITSM side, it's a little different because we're talking about employees versus customers. And so there's some tweaks there. We went public last week, so we had to really <laughs> get ready for a lot more Tell us eyeballs. all about that. I'm okay. just kidding. I no, mean, no, I can no, tell no. you all about it. It's yeah, great. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. few things I can't really say, but um, you know, we had, a, we had a great IPO last week. I would say Freshworks was a lesser known company to be at our size and scale and so we really wanted to get it right so we've spent a lot of time the last six months getting, getting it all right, ready yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think as like a marketer if I was trying to teach how to market something like Freshworks like in a very effective way right is it is it something where you have this overarching, you know, kind of message, this positioning on like a quarter to quarter basis? Do you have like separate demand gen or performance marketing teams for everything? Like, like, do you have things that go cross product? T tell me. Cause, the answer cause, is yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can tell you about how our, our marketing team is structured. Of course, we have all of the different components, right? We have communications, we have product marketing, um, we have growth marketing. We have event marketing and we have brand. Those are kind of the five major prongs. We have them organized by product, which we call segment marketing. We have them organized by region, right? So you need somebody in France who speaks French and you need to translate. Product marketing team is is pretty purely focused on. If I'm the French product marketer, I talk to the U.S. product marketer like often or no? Or is that something where I interface with the brand marketing team and then I do my thing for France? There aren't product marketers. Sorry, yeah. But yeah. there are field marketers. Sure. Okay, so if you are the French field marketing leader, you're, you are interacting a lot with a few people with the segment marketers. Okay, so like I want to run a fresh desk campaign or a CRM campaign in France. You're going to work with... Um, the segment marketers and the product marketers. Um, there's also a digital marketing team. Um, they do all the growth stuff. They help run campaigns. So they you'd be working with them and then you'd go to the brand team for all the assets. You just have a lot of really good directors. <laughs> like how do you manage? Like I just don't know how you keep up with it. It's funny, I saw Barack Obama 
I am not going to compare myself to Barack Obama. No, it's, go for it. Just, yeah. just in advance. But it made you think of it. Um, yeah. But I was like, I hope he doesn't think I'm going to do that. I mean, I would love to be like Barack. But I saw him speak once, and one of the questions was, you know, you have, you're responsible for so, so many things. Like, how do you possibly make all these decisions? And his answer was, only the really, really big, important decisions bubble up to me. And I focus on having great people making the decisions all the way down the chain. And I, God, I really took it to heart. I think it's all about talent. The bigger the organization, the harder it is to be successful unless you have a great team at every level. I start with my own team. You know, my focus in coming to Freshworks was do I have the very best team of leaders under me? Do I have the guest, best guy running brand? The, the best gal running communications, you know, I have a really amazing chief of staff that like keeps, the, keeps it all together. We meet all the time, we're really close. And then I support them in making sure that they have the same under them. And then it flows, I mean, there's almost 500 people in marketing. If you're just focused on talent all the way down, that's where you're gonna see the success. You're a general. Yeah, you know? so you I have- You have your, your brigadier generals. Yeah, that kind of thing. seven direct reports. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I pretty much, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with them and and meeting with their teams as appropriate. I spent a lot of time being a peer to the other executives. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because we, I presume you don't know much about us, if anything. We, we're multi-product. And so it's we chose to do multi-product very early in our life cycle, like when we were pre-10 million, now we're post-10 million. And it's just like we're starting to find some of these, like, Oh, interesting. Like that product is just not getting any love. Like do we GM, like marketing GM each product? You guys, in my opinion, are like the case study for figuring out how this works because most companies this is where they're going. Like HubSpot's followed you. Salesforce was kind of doing this, but more from an M&A perspective. And so we had a joke that like, you know, oh, there's one of our one of our products. We were seeing some signs that maybe growth might be slowing. We got to double down. Oh, there's another product that wow, it seems to be like growth is expanding. Oh, we got to double down. And like at some point you can't just double down. The answer isn't always double down. You have to just be more strategic than that and, and figure out, you know, hey, what can what can be more of a, an attached sale to with another product? Or what's a better product to maybe go harder at the customer base versus trying to get net new? Like you got to really get down into strategy in order to make that work. Do you, do you currently have multiple websites i think everything's under one web or how does so, how does that work as you probably remember we originally were called fresh desk, fresh desk when yep. we had one product we have a little bit of a legacy of having you know the fresh desk website which has a lot of brand value has a SEO, lot of seo yeah. and so it's been like uh, you don't want to really get rid of that i we, we'll probably eventually get At there but point, as yeah. of today we have freshworks.com and then we have urls for a couple of our other tightly integrated website because that was always a funny thing like even with like early e-commerce like Wayfair right they had 500 different websites and then they went all the way down and those two quarters were pretty painful but they were able to like figure it out so it's always interesting yeah names and name changes are always uh, brutal brutal yeah we we had a name change in our past and it was the best advice I got was it's two years it's not an announcement but it's going to be two years of just yeah get everyone's LinkedIn's changed like take care of things but it's just going to be keep talking and talking and talking and how'd you get to Freshworks like what's what's the story I had been doing enterprise software marketing for decades I had left 
my role as CMO of ServiceMax to go start a company. And then we got acquired by ServiceMax. So I found myself back in the same seat and um, I loved ServiceMax. I mean, I had pretty much joined after the founding team. So it was in some ways great to be back. And in other ways, it was like I had, I was going back to something I had already done. So I knew I wasn't going to stay forever. So I stayed two years and just said, yeah, I'm just going to figure this out. I'm either going to go be a CEO again or mostly because I had mostly been a really early, you know, build it up to the liquidity event or the IPO and then go back to early. Like I've always considered myself an early stage builder um, and I just wanted to do something different. So I really was only entertaining very late stage CMO opportunities. The recruiter had called me like a few months prior and I wasn't quite ready to leave. And I was like, wait, who are they? I know Freshworks was always fighting the like, right, you the know, brand. we're not in US, you know, like, oh, and like, it got a little, this is very personal, like, uh, you know, even Chargebee, there was always, like their competitors always kind of used their location against them, which gets a little problematic. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, That's yeah. all right. Well, um, so I said no. Um, and then when I started looking, coincidentally, Jose Morales, our CRO, who I had met but barely, we were acquaintances, but he sent me an email and said, hey, I saw your name on a list of CMO candidates. And, you know, I knew him and I really liked him. And so and I was looking, so I called him and he was just like, let me run down these numbers for you. Let me tell you. And, and I said, well, I you know, might as well engage. And then I met G. Garish, we call him G. It, it really felt like a combination of the big late stage, very pre-IPO, but also a lot of building, a lot of, lot of what you do in an early stage, like even all that we talked about before, all that positioning, all that kind of needed to get done. So it felt like a great combination for me, but also just such humble, authentic, really as we've discussed, unique value proposition that really sort of spoke to me. Did you always know you wanted to like get into business, get into marketing? No, um, I wanted to be a sportscaster. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I played soccer in college and I was an English major and I was like, yeah, those are, I'll just combine those two things. And, but I graduated and was like, okay, I'm going to get a job. And it's like, ugh. and I had moved to San Francisco just because I thought it seemed like a cool place to live. So I got a job as an actually an admin to an admin at, at Oracle. So you got to see some funky so, stuff. So, I mean, yeah. I was faxing things for her. I love it. And, like, putting stamps on letters. Nice. Um, but, I, you know, I got You're to in Oracle. The door. And it was early 90s, and it was insane. I never really thought business would be interesting to me, but I loved it. Like, I really got into the strategy of what my group was doing and just so many opportunities to advance. And I ended up being there for six years, just eventually marketing, sales. Something you mentioned, you know, and you've been talking about for a while is empathetic marketing. What is it? Why is it important? Let's jump into that. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it goes back to the core of empathy and what that word means. And, and I think people want to think that it's like some touchy-feely. Crystals. Warm, yeah. But for me, it's more about um, really putting yourself in the shoes of your audience. 
I mean, we do it with the products that we build. I talked earlier about building for the user and really understanding what is that customer service agent? What is that sales rep? What is that IT service management? Per what do they need to get their job done quickly? You know, does AI and chat help them solve customer problems faster? Yes, it does. Okay, let's build it in a way like that is that's empathetic product. But empathetic marketing is really similar. It's putting yourself into the shoes of the audience. The buyer is typically who you're talking to when you're marketing software. What resonates for them? What is their life like? How do we help them meet their needs? Understanding their KPIs, understanding what their goals are for their own careers. That's really, whenever I'm judging something that we're working on or I'm helping create something, it, I'm always trying to think of how is this gonna resonate? Is this going to hit home? Can I run this by two or three of our customers and get their feedback? What are most people doing? Like, what's the alternative, I guess? They just are thinking about, I mean, let's be honest, most people think about themselves most of the time. And so they're just, they write something down and they think, yeah, that That's the sounds coolest good thing. to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but you're not the buyer. I was running marketing at Success Factors for a long time, early stage through the IPO. It was very easy to be empathetic because that was a tool to help leaders manage their people. And as we've discussed, that's always been talent management. So I was just like the buyer. And so if it resonated to me, well, it must, it's probably a good chance it's going to resonate with the buyer. Very easy. Then you go to ServiceMax and you're selling to field service. It's different. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to drive a white van around and try to solve problems all day. No idea. You have to meet with your customers, sit with your customers, talk with your customers. You got to run your stuff by them all the time. And if, over time, you start to learn. And then by the end, I was like, I know exactly what they want. Like, no, 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 that's not going to run. But in the beginning, I was just like, I know, I don't know this demographic. I got to go figure it out. And if you're not in the demographic of your buyer, you just don't know. You got to educate yourself and you have to constantly be asking yourself, is this really going to resonate with the audience, not with me yeah. and my friends. And there's always a debate, benefits, features, whatever. It's more, But it, the debate doesn't matter because it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like, what did they want to hear? What's going to make them look good? What's going to make them feel comfortable? And I just, you know, I, I don't know if it's just the, the ego part that you mentioned. I think it's also like, it's harder. People and especially marketers are inclined to want to talk about their own product and their own features. And they just want to advertise ever it does this and it does that and it does this and it does that aren't you ready to buy and you're kind of like it's funny because none of those things matter to me yeah. I need to understand you to understand which features are gonna matter you know it's like if you went to go buy a car and what you really wanted was an electric vehicle and that was your number one requirement and you went to a place where somebody was like and look at the fuel injection on this car and just was like showing you all these great features of the car that was everything except the one thing you wanted. Well, this is why the most annoying salespeople are the ones that like don't ask you any questions and just like go, 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 go. And you're like, just I spend know. five minutes. How do you infuse this then? Like really, what did you do at ServiceMax and, and probably to an extent Freshworks? Because yeah, you're kind of the customer, but not at that level. I would yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I don't run a customer support team or an IT team you know I'm a marketer so I in that product I can I mean a lot of it is an enablement with the sales team and it's not easy like we still work on it every day I mean at ServiceMax 
we had a required first slide in the pitch deck, which was pretty much blank, trying to make it so easy for them to do that qualification and they still don't always do it like it you know it's just easier to say let me tell you about all our features it's so much more effective if I first learn what you want and then I'm like oh now now I know you want that so enablement you know kind of trying to force them to do it a lot of sales manager enablement to make sure they're making sure the reps are qualifying first, qualifying first. And what are those what are those pieces of enablement? Because I imagine with a 500 person team, like it starts top down, yeah. you know, you're trying to figure it out. Is it like a positioning deck on each product that everyone needs to kind of know? See, that's not what it is. It's not positioning the product. It's learning how to ask questions to un- uncover the need. So you're kind of teaching them how to fish you're rather than giving them teaching them how fish. to have empathy for their buyer. And we did, at ServiceMax, we did a very extensive training and literally most of it, it was days of training and most of it was like asking questions to uncover needs and requirements in every which way possible and not leading the witness. Like, don't you want chat? Love this thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're talking features again. No, like, what's your problem? Your problem is that you have a lot of customers who have the same problem over and over again. Okay, well, if you had an AI-enabled chatbot that could just quickly answer those questions or solve those problems without even bothering an agent, can I help you with your time to service, with your all, right? But first I need to know that's an issue for you. Because what if you say to me, chat doesn't work, I need to have an actual physical conversation because every problem is so unique that an AI-enabled chatbot's not going to, right? Then I'm not going to try to sell you that. But I don't, if I didn't ask you, I don't know. So I think the big mistake is sales teams that don't understand how to ask. And it's something we still work on. And then it's harder for marketing people because I'm not in an opportunity very often to ask. So on the marketing side then, you know, you don't have reps, right? You don't have these Yeah, calls. you don't. And so with marketing, like, is it doing customer development, like when you're putting together a new campaign or something like that? Or is it just always doing some sort of like interviews or something each week? Like, how do, how do you do that? It's harder. I think it's you're relying on like your product marketing team and you're hoping that they're doing the job of understanding the customer, right? We can't have 500 marketers yeah, just yeah. like having a weekly call. Once a month, our executive meeting, our weekly meeting is focused on customers and we have customers come in and present to us and three-fourths of the time they're unhappy customers which I've never been part of a company that did that and you know sometimes it's brutal sometimes we joke like god it's not the best way to start the day that's empathy but you got to hear the good the bad the ugly it's great when we have the ones that come on and just tell us how awesome we are but I think when you take the time to listen to the negative ones that's when you can really make the big changes so if i'm kind of trying to design this for my own company here sales questions questions discovery is so crucial once you have discovery make sure you're aligning things to those conversations marketing it's product marketing make sure they're doing the research and then finding the best ways to kind of disseminate that across a marketing team product team probably as well and then exec team just always keeping this top of mind because as an exec, it's pretty easy to get disconnected and, you know, you know, smell your own, you know, great product and all yep. that kind of thing rather than like what stinks and needs to be fixed. So is that, 
Is that kind of the stack? Is there something we're missing there? I think it's also just having the mindset of asking for input and like just not doing things in silos. So if I'm working on a marketing campaign and it's really sounding and looking great to me and I don't have a customer readily handy that I can ask, I'm going to go ask the sales team. Is this going to work for you? And sometimes you get a no and you got to be ready for the no. Or sometimes you get a helpful shaping that makes it even better. The constant precipice of like low ego, but also like knowing you're going to figure it out. And in between there, struggling every piece of feedback to like filter it, right? Because I'm sure there's some things where you have customers come in that are like aggravated that you're just like, the end of it isn't we're going to change anything. The end of it is like, that type of customer we just shouldn't have right which is painful because like as an exec team you're like we're everyone we should be for everyone right and it's like no maybe not or no we can't build that because that would alienate this other group and stuff so i mean nine times out of ten when we have an unhappy customer we really look at did we let them buy even though fast easy affordable wasn't what they wanted and I mean, all companies are going to take that risk sometimes, like, you know, especially in SaaS, we're all aggressively selling, but it's the more you can train your salespeople to ask the right questions and then match it to features, I think the more success you have in selling the right people the right product. Sure. This is great. I really appreciate yeah, this. So yeah, fun. Um, where I can people it. find you and anything you want to plug? Well, our office is right across the street. There we go. We're down here in beautiful San Mateo. I'm almost never there. You can find me on Twitter at Stacey Epstein, S-T-A-C-E-Y-E-P-S-T-E-I-N. Also on LinkedIn, Stacey Epstein. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate this. Great to talk to you. A huge shout out to Stacey for doing the podcast. Now you have what it takes to strategize your multi-pronged marketing strategy. Today, we talked about integrating sales, marketing, and customer success, being easy, fast, and affordable, the five major prongs of segment marketing, instilling empathy in your marketing, and the questions to ask to uncover needs. Oh, and if you want to support ProfitWell and the show, we'd appreciate it if you leave a five-star review of this podcast or the equivalent rating wherever you listen or watch. The podcast gods tend to like that type of thing, and hey, we like to appease the podcast gods. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to and tell your friends about Protect the Hustle, a podcast from ProfitWell Recur, the largest, fastest-growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions. Thank you.